0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the AppAdvice weekly podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAdvice.net and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice. In this episode, Trevor and I explore new software, planets, civilizations, and realities while setting the world ablaze. How are you doing tonight, Trevor
1: doing good always a fun time when there's a new version of ios to dive into and figure out all that is new and fresh for people to try
0: yeah i feel like this time we almost have to discover it again for ourselves just because we didn't get that recap at the apple event we kind of just have to remember what happened way back at wwdc and find all the all the differences
1: yep and before we get too much into ios 11 This past Friday, the pre-orders started for the iPhone 8 and Plus, the Apple TV 4K, and the Apple Watch Series 3. And the main kind of news aspect is that the iPhone 8 had a tough time pushing that launch day supply. So it could be that Apple made a whole bunch of iPhone 8s, and there's a ton out there. Or it could be that everyone who's kind of interested in an upgrade is waiting for the iPhone X in October.
0: Right. Yeah. So I usually like for me, it starts the pre-orders start at three in the morning. So I obviously didn't wake up because I'm not ordering it, but I checked it like six in the morning when I got up. And I would say just about every capacity size and provider and color were all still available for the 22nd. There were only a few that were kind of sold out the gold, I think, in T-Mobile for some reason. Uh, but otherwise... I would say the vast majority of them were all still readily available. No big rush to order. You were fine.
1: Yeah, and that was really, you know, it's quite a difference from years past, but it's really because Apple made this whole six-week wait for the big phone, the really advanced phone. And when you think that the top end of the iPhone 8 with the Plus and the low end of the iPhone X are only a $200 difference, it's not really that much of a, Oh, should I wait or not to get a phone that's way better in every regard?
0: Right. Yeah. This was basically an S release. I mean, they really could have kept the eight if they wanted the smaller, cheaper phone and then just had the 10, like they didn't need the eight plus it now. And going forward, like we said last week, it doesn't seem like there's a spot for it. So I wish they had just put their effort into putting out more 10s and producing more 10s than this 8 Plus, which seems like it was pretty much useless.
1: Yep. And then the Apple TV 4K, the launch day supply did sell out of the 64 gigabyte version pretty quickly. I mean, probably within those first couple hours. It wasn't minutes or anything. And then the cellular versions of the Apple Watch also had a little bit of that of pushing the launch day supply out multiple weeks. Well,
0: the, the 64, does it makes perfect sense because it it's only a $20 difference. Who's not gonna double their size for future safety and just spend the extra 20 bucks? Uh, and that's a no-brainer. I'm wondering how many of the people that bought this new cellular watch realize that they're gonna be spending an extra $10 a month on service for that watch. Uh, I'm betting there's a certain percentage of the people purchasing it that have no clue, and they won't find out until they go to enable it and then find out they're going to be charged more money.
1: Yeah, but that one is definitely the hot one. Not many people were upgrading to the Series 3 without the cellular capability as those are still in stock for the 22nd launch. And so if you did want any of these products, hopefully you got in on that 22nd idea, and if you're waiting for the iPhone X, October 27th.
0: Yep, I'll be up at 3 in the morning.
1: And so that's pretty much the new product news, and that means it's finally time to get to iOS 11. And really, since June, I've wanted iOS 11, and I didn't really want to do the beta thing just because it's messed my devices up and game storage in the past. So I was like, I'm just going to wait. And so iOS 11 big kind of impact is on the iPad. And really, big is kind of an understatement of how much they've redefined what the iPhone the iPad is capable of, and just day-to-day usage, all from things that kind of we've been clamoring for for a long time. So first off, you have a brand new dock. So rather than that fixed thing at the bottom of the screen, it's now a more fluid dock that's accessible no matter where you are on the iPad. All you have to do is swipe up from the bottom of the screen. And that dock, if you swipe further, you bring up the multitasking window, and then that's going to have the control center on the right part of the screen As then on the left side, you're going to have all your recent used apps. So you have quick app switching from there. You have constant access to your dock. And then you also have the split screen view or using two apps simultaneously. But now it's drag and drop based. So you can grab an app from the dock and drag it right to what you're currently using. And now on the right hand of the side of the screen, you have that other app. And then you can drag and drop text links and various pictures between the two apps that you're using. So it's really a whole new way to use your iPad. And it's going to take a while to get used to just how much more convenient it is versus if you've ever used an iPad before, you've kind of figured out workarounds or ingrained into kind of rigid (laughs) behaviors that you don't longer have to deal with.
0: Yeah, this finally feels like they're moving towards that iPad as a PC replacement. Like it took them long enough. But one of the other awesome things about that dock is it has on the right hand side, it has icons for the three most recently used apps that you've launched. So if you want to just quickly access those, you can just, they'll keep on repopulating over there on the right, depending on what you've been using. And then if you don't want them there, you can just hold till it wiggles and then close those to remove them from the dock completely. So, I mean, it's a nice little convenient thing that they've added there and just having that drag and drop to do the split screen i'm still having trouble figuring out how to undo the split screen after i have it going i can't, i have no clue how to do that because when you first drag what happens is it'll kind of put in like this half little window thing uh for when you pull it out then if you swipe down on that little floating uh second program then it'll Put it into that full split screen mode, and then you can drag to kind of resize left and right. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out how to get them unsplit again. Well, you could swipe down and it turns it back to the floating, but I can't figure out how to, to unsplit them. I don't know if you were able to do that.
1: It's a back swipe on the edge, ah, the okay. outer edge. Yeah. From the outer edge. Kinda, okay. Yeah, because it makes it kind of like. You know, it's like a little shelf or something to on the right-hand side of the screen that you can dismiss by swiping back against the green. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But, I mean, it's really, really convenient to enable the split screen now. Like, previously, I didn't use it in iOS 10 that much just because it, it didn't seem to be that actually convenient to enable and then use. You have, like, these two standalone apps, and you're just splitting the screen. Now they're kind of like built together they're working together at the same time and you know i've only been using the stock apple apps but we'll see how well it works with third-party apps because i think it works natively but it's not as smooth as the transition from two apple stock apps when you're using both apps simultaneously in the drag and drop i think developers have to update for that
0: Yeah, yeah, I've only tried it with stock apps. The thing I found annoying about the previous limitation, the one from iOS 10, was when you wanted to do it, you had to scroll up and down through that list of supported apps. It wasn't so intuitive like it is now where you're just tapping and then dragging that second app that you want to use. And odds are the ones I tend to use the most are sitting down in in the dock. So those are the ones I'm going to quickly swipe up to bring up the dock, tap and hold, and drag the thing on to have the second app because those are the ones that most often I'm going to want to be using together.
1: Yeah, if the apps aren't updated and you try to drag them from the dock over to the side, it's just going to open that up, that app up full screen. So hopefully if you do have like apps that, the third-party apps that you use a bunch, hopefully they're going to be updated to support that split screen soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I, I mean, I'm sure it's just going to take time. This is all just rolled out. A few hours ago, and I mean, yes, granted, developers had access to the software early, but you never know how much time they put into some of this stuff, or they some of them play a wait-and-see game just to see how popular certain features are and if they want to put the time and investment into implementing them.
1: It does look like AirMail's been updated, which that's my yeah, stock, I, or that's my new mail app so that's always good.
0: <laughs> See, the problem I had with Airmail is it constantly would be missing emails so I stopped using it. I'd love the interface but it would be I have emails that were just not in there for some reason.
1: Yep. And so the iPad really is different. The iPhone it's kind of tough to figure out what exactly is different. There's some minor things And then there's some overlap in like core identities, but in terms of iPhone specific iOS 11 features, I don't even think there's any, I think everything's shared, even the smaller things. I think it's all shared.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you do get that the control center, which is really nice because now it's all in one screen and you can add things. One of the coolest parts of that is you can add a quick link to the Apple remote and then it kind of just floats it. You don't even need to wait for an app to load or anything. It just kind of pops up on the screen ready to use, which is super convenient. Uh, one of the other things that we saw at WWDC that's in there is that whole thing where while you're driving, you can have it automatically or manually. You can turn it on and off, put it into that, like, do not disturb mode so that it responds to any messages you happen to come in uh so that people know that you're driving and, like, you're not going to be responding to them until you stop. And that way you're not distracted while you're driving. But you're right. Like, it definitely seems like a much more uh meatier release for the iPad and much more at least immediately noticeable because there are so many changes on that iPad that – I don't know. It just feels kind of, you're not going to notice that much of a difference if you do it just on the phone.
1: And then one big change that we talk about every week, and now we actually get the benefit, is an all new app store. And Apple's really done a good job of just making it cleaner. It's not going to be some revolutionary new app discovery engine, but it's much easier to just browse and kind of enjoy being in the app store rather than normally I'm searching for a very specific app, I'm downloading it, and I'm leaving the app store. The way they've set it up now, it's a lot more friendly to kind of check and just find stuff that you maybe might not have.
0: It's just, yeah, it's more of an organizational thing. It's almost like they just reskin the app store and made it just much more user friendly the information is kind of divided up nicely and you can actually sort of find what you want and i don't know they actually seem to feature better apps and that that might just be a coincidence but <laughs> it just it's definitely a major improvement because one of the things that they did that we didn't mention because i didn't discover until after we ended the podcast last week is they removed the app store the iOS app store from iTunes on a PC and a Mac. So with the latest update to iTunes, they completely ripped out all support for the app store. So now your only way to purchase apps is directly on your device, your iPad or your iPod Touch or your iPhone. So they have to make it a better experience than it was before because it was horrible before and so at least they've done a really nice job of really updating things and and making it pleasurable to use if now this is your one and only way to access the app store
1: yeah really it is just making it cleaner you know they have the new today view where there's all these little cards like here's our app of the day infinite filters or a little here's a daily list of play games and learn facts and so you can tap on any of these it brings it up full screen it's like a list or whatever and then you tap away and it's like a continuous card view and then they've broken it down by games or apps so you can browse you know a specific section but one of the neatest things is just each individual app page that you click on it's just more organized where the app play plays automatically if one exists and then you have that download button or the purchase button and it's more like apple pay style interface where it's not as like clunky of tapping buttons you know it's more seamless and confirming the process to make that easier and then just the way you get to the descriptions or these little rating boxes it's just a more improved kind of way to view the app store
0: yeah even the update section is is improved and on the ipad they actually now it's not, no longer this long list of viewing all your updates they actually do it split two lists side by side of seeing all the things you need to update and if you hit more it kind of pops up a little floating box with that full descriptive text of what else has what all the was in that update so it's they they put a lot of thought into this of just making it a cleaner experience and just it doesn't feel so crowded and almost ghetto, like super old, like you didn't notice it as much when you use it every single day. But then you see how this just looks like a newer, fresher, uh, just layout that's more modern compared to what we had before.
1: Yep. And so hopefully that means you'll browse the app store more. And one thing that's worth noting is that Apple pay with friends where you can have that quick connection, write in messages to send payments. That's going to be delayed. It's not right available at launch. So that's one kind of new feature that isn't available yet.
0: Yeah, and only one other thing I wanted to mention with the iPad is it's got a new keyboard. So you have that same Large keyboard, but now you have these cool little kind of flicking gestures on each of the keys where you can get to the like the numbers without hitting that little one two three button to switch to the numbers so now you can stay right on the same keyboard and type whatever you want, and I'm sure you'll get faster and faster the more you use this thing, but you can swipe down to like get that second character that's on the thing or just tap the button like you normally would to get whatever character is currently on there so I- I just thought it was a nice way to improve your speed of typing, especially on a mobile keyboard, and I, I think we also have that other on the phone, we have that one-handed keyboard where everything's kind of crammed over to one side, so now you can just use a single finger if you have, like, the larger phone and don't like to use two hands, now you can should be able to reach every key right from, from just one-handed use.
1: And speaking of one-handed use in larger phones, the iPhone X doesn't have a home button, and I've seen that some people are kind of making a big deal about that, but with iOS 11 on the iPad, I could really go without the home button on the iPad. <laughs> Talking about a big device without the home button, so I'm sure that's where Apple's headed for the next big iPad upgrade is to have even more of an edgeless design without the home button at all. And it makes me not worried at all with the iPhone X coming and being able to use swipe gesture just as how well the activating the dock. And all the way into quick app switching works on iOS 11 on the iPad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I had a feeling it wasn't because I don't have an iOS. I, I mean, I don't have an iPhone 7. So I should have seen this coming when they completely removed the home button from taking like your screenshots and removing that. The need for even having that button. So, obviously, they, this has kind of been in their minds for a while of eliminating the need for that home button. And yeah, I could totally see myself not using it at all on the iPad as well. Then you wouldn't even have people complaining about the whole uh, flipping the screen. So, your home, like which side the home button's on, and making sure your app can do both orientations of portrait, of uh, landscape mode.
1: And so one other part of iOS 11 is the support for ARKit. So now developers can build augmented reality apps with Apple's native language and engine. And there's quite a few apps already that have been updated for ARKit, and I'm sure there's going to be even more. But if you browse that new app store, there's a whole section dedicated to AR apps, and we've used quite a few just to kind of test it out and see what is going on. And so far they have like very specific categories. There's the ones where it's kind of learning models and they send them out so you can see kind of like say it's a model of an ear. You can walk around it and look and explore it right within your living room. Or speaking of living room, you have the room set up where you can see how your room would look if you add in a rug from Ikea or different chairs depending on what you're doing or you can even kind of analyze the dimensions of your room. And then... There's kind of the painting or GIFs or just kind of accenting your environment, that Snapchat idea, just built into specific apps using that augmented reality.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing certain certain groupings on There are a ton of those to measure your room. And actually, that's something I want to use to figure out because we might finish our basement. But it seems like we're still kind of in that experimental stage. There were a lot of videos leading up to this of some really cool ideas none of which I've seen so far actually come to like a full app yet. But I there's obviously everyone wants to experiment, they want to get on the ground floor. This is even though it's old technology, it's still people it's new because of this AR kit and Apple's making such a big deal of it that and Pokemon Go did so well that people want to get in on this and they think this is going to be the next big thing on the phone and earning uh, ways to to get lots and lots of money from the app store. Some of the uh, these early things it's kind of underwhelming where you're just okay you can play the game now just in a box floating over your your desk and it's do you really need that? Probably not. I mean other ones where they do get much more creative with it where now you can zoom in by moving in and it feels almost like you're you're moving in and looking at it yourself, but you're moving your device and it And so you get that closer look like we saw in the Apple presentation where they can play with the sound that you hear, depending how close you are. That's the cool kind of stuff I'm looking for. Something that really like enhances the experience, not just a gimmicky where you're okay. now I can do such and such, but it's on my own lawn. Like have my lawn interact with the game or have it do something rather than just give me a new place where I can do it. Like the putting the furniture in your in your house. That is an awesome idea. That is something that's useful and is then you can actually see how this looks in your actual house. So I'm more for these ideas that actually kind of push the limits and actually provide something that's useful versus something that's gimmicky.
1: Yeah, adding a dinosaur outside your house is one thing. Putting a rug that you can actually buy from Ikea into your den to see how that rug would interact with everything. That's a completely different step towards actual usefulness. (laughs) And then for games, yeah, the one game I, I wanted to mention is Euclidean Lands, just because it's like you said, they actually did something different. So you were mentioning Splitter Critters before we got on, how it was just the level in a box in your room. Euclidean Lands, you actually get that, 3d rubik's cube world in wherever you're looking and then as you walk around it instead of previously the game is condensed on your screen you have to do various swipe gestures to move around that level now you actually walk around to change your perspective on the level and this game is all about what perspective you're pointing at so it really actually changes and improves the gameplay experience
0: yeah, and so to access that AR mode in Euclidean Lens, you just do that with the that little I button that's up in the corner, right? Right. So you switch that on and off. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet. I definitely got to try that. One thing I did notice with the AR kit, which I didn't realize, was it's only supported on devices with an A9 chip or higher. So if you have, like I have the 6 Plus right now, obviously I'm going to be buying the 10 when that comes out, but the 6 Plus, it does not support ARKit. You can download the apps and install iOS 11, but I tried the Edmunds app, which lets you try putting cars in your garage to see if they'll fit. And it immediately popped up saying, AR AR is not supported on this device. So then I looked it up and... You need an A9 chip or better. So uh, just be, know if you have an older device, older than like a 6S or 6S Plus, you're not going to be able to use this new AR kit functionality.
1: And that's always good kind of knowledge to have. And if you check App Advice, we're going to have a list of all the AR apps, and I'm going to try to rank them as best I can of actual value versus gimmick.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, there's a lot of cool stuff. It looks, I mean, the problem is if it's not free, do you want to take a chance that it's gimmicky or not? Hopefully, this is where like videos will come in helpful or sites like App Advice where they go through the effort of reviewing these so you get to see before you spend money on something that may just be a, a short lived gimmick that you don't really care about.
1: And so that's pretty much iOS 11. The big thing is if you have an iPad, hopefully, you do. If you don't, I don't know how much benefit you're going to get on the iPhone, but <laughs> the upgrade's there for the iPhone, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'll get some. you get the AR kit. you'll get some. But, yeah, it's definitely not as noticeable on an iPhone.
1: And so there's actual games out now that don't use augmented reality. They don't really care about iOS 11. They work on iOS 11, but it's not a big distinguishing factor. And so the new games this week start with Iron Marines. It's the latest game from the makers of Kingdom Rush series, Kingdom Onrush, and all those great tower defense games. So now they've transitioned to more of a real-time strategy game. So you start off, you can create little like units, like you have a unit of three soldiers or three sniper guys or a flamethrower mech, and then you have one big hero. And you simply tap on them and drag to direct them around these alien battlefields. And so you have various missions, some missions you'll need to protect your base, other missions you need to go explore and conquer new places to expand your base. And some of the levels combine both together, but it's all built upon the really kind of friendly nature of real-time strategy of just tapping on your guys, dragging them to where you want to move them, and then always kind of balancing their positioning, being cognizant of their health and then having the ability to add more units to accent your far out attack or your defense.
0: Right, yeah. So I first saw this game about two years ago at PAX East. I was just wandering around. All of a sudden I saw Ironhide. Like, they have a, a booth here? I'm like, what is that game? And I was immediately hooked. Like, I played through their whole entire demo. I was surprised it took this long to come out because it was so polished even back then when I saw this demo. And I sat there for a good hour playing up until they were about to close the hall. And... If you love their tower defense games, this is almost kind of taking it from that other side where, yes, you do have to uh, be upgrading your base and re-enable it. Like if attackers take out the guns, you got to make sure you re-implement those guns. You add uh, shields to them and keep it alive If because if you lose all your bases, then you're out of the game and you got to start over. So you want to keep on kind of balancing between that... Making sure your base – at least one base is okay and then taking some troops to try to take over another area to make sure you have a backup. Then once you take that over, you need to make sure that you're constantly protecting that so – It's not going to go down. And they do a really nice job with those missions within the game of kind of changing it up and changing what you have to do. And it's all up to you of how you want to approach it. Like, do you and they kind of give you little indicators on the screen where the other things that you need to do are. But what order you do them in and how you approach it is completely up to you. And one strategy may fail completely and they have to start over and try again. And then now, you know better for the next time, or maybe you have upgraded your hero or up or purchased some of the one time use kind of things to help you blow up bombs or, or other things that'll help you get further. And it's just a really fun strategy game where I don't know. I just you are compelled to play the next level and the next level and the next level. And when you lose, I never felt like I was cheated and like they had overpowered the the enemy. Like was unfair. I just felt like I know what I did wrong. I can do it better. I focused too much on this. I'm going back in, and I just love this game. And they did a phenomenal job.
1: They really did. There's, it's kind of one of those games really like their third edition of their kingdom rush game where it's tough to find problems the only problem with that game was really that it was more the same and so now what they did was they went and they applied their craft to a completely different game genre it has elements that are familiar but now builds it out for a different kind of strategy approach and every level is a compelling kind of setup and it doesn't have that slow ramp up of a tower defense game you're kind of thrown right into battle and you just need to figure it out and then as you go it has that typical new units on your side new enemy types to deal with and you just constantly have to balance it out and it's like you said as soon as you complete one level you want to play another one just because you want to have different units see what kind of different missions might develop and just it's an engaging gameplay style that they've really nailed
0: Yeah, if I had one complaint about the game, it would be the same that I had for the Kingdom Rush series as well. And it's that it's a paid game and then they have a number of free heroes you can use. But then if you want to unlock what are arguably the coolest looking heroes, uh, you have to spend a fairly high amount of money to unlock those other heroes. Like they cost more than the base game just for a single hero that you would use within the game. And they did the same thing in the Kingdom Rush series, and you can perf- you're perfectly fine playing without those heroes. They'll just kind of always be there, and you kind of want them, but then again, do you want to spend that that large amount of money to unlock them. And so, I mean, it's just a little frustrating that I just see that yet again pop back up. And it's always a source of complaints if you ever look up on forums of these sorts of games, people complain about it, but they're always going to complain about something. So at least it's the same thing. But other than that, I. There's no reason not to go out and pick up this game right now because it's it's going to offer you hours and hours of entertainment. And and if you don't find it challenging, bump it up from normal to veteran and then good luck because uh, even at normal, it's kind of difficult. There is a casual if you're brand new to this. I wouldn't recommend playing the casual. I'd jump right into at least the normal level uh, and go for it.
1: Yep, and that's Iron Marines. It's 4.99. and it's universal. And then next up, we have a game called Opus
0: Rocket of Whispers. And this is kind of a sort of an adventure, point-and-click adventure, but also kind of a survival game. It's it's a weird kind of mashup. And it, it is a narrative game. So it starts out, and you or this little boy and you see the story of like, your dad is this rocket engineer and there's apparently people are dying. And his job is to build these rockets where they send the ghosts of the, the dead people up into space for, I don't know, to go carry on to the next life. But they have like these series of like 12 witches, which are like these people with special skills. And they're the ones that guide the ghosts into the afterlife and so what ends up happening is there's this kind of a plague hits, apocalyptic plague hits the the town where you live and you tell your mom, I don't want to be a rocket engineer like dad. I, I don't want to do that. But then we jump to the future and you are a rocket engineer and you've had 12 failed rockets thus far of trying to get these ghosts up into uh, the space. And you have this witch who's with you and you, After this 12th one, you're now trying to put together the pieces from that 12th one, gather up the pieces of the broken rocket so you can build a 13th and hopefully get all these ghosts off your back because they're starting to annoy you and get them up to where they need to go. And you do that by kind of roaming around and you'll see the different pieces that she needs and you walk around this whole kind of area where you are with Bunker with like tents and other buildings and things. And you're you're searching for this. And every once in a while, uh, you'll see like the ghosts and they'll kind of lead you where you need to go. And you start to dig for the stuff and everything takes time. So it, it says once you start digging, like maybe X number of hours go by. Well, now it starts to get dark. And so you need to get back to give this stuff to her so she can start her work. And it's and the whole narrative story kind of keeps on playing out as you go, and then, so you have that mix of like exploring and story and kind of finding things. So it's kind of a a very different sort of game.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. I just got into the start of it, and it just didn't really capture my attention. It was really slow moving, and I don't know how much. I don't know if that changes as it goes. That's what I wanted to ask you.
0: Yeah, so I'm not fully into it. I, like you, I did have a little trouble getting into it at first. I did really like the story, but then this finding and collecting feels a bit repetitive. Because once you do it for like the first couple of the things, uh, then it's pretty much the same thing over and over again you can see that there's areas of like the game which aren't unlocked yet and so like he'll be walking around and it says he can't go into this certain area because he would freeze to death so he need and you can see certain areas he really starts slowing down because he needs boots so I think there's certain things I gotta uncover I haven't quite hit the point I so there's I think you can play for about an hour until you hit, like, a, a pay point. And then you can pay, I believe it's a $199 unlock to unlock the rest of the game. And I haven't quite reached that point where you have to do the unlock yet. The story is what's kind of driving me forward because I'm curious to see what happens. But the gameplay for me is falling a little bit flat, but I don't know if that's because there were some other big adventure games that were released just at the end of the week or beginning of this week that have kind of are much more thrilling to me than so far this game is, but I definitely want to dive into it some more before I give an actual full review of it uh, and see where it goes, because I'm curious where the story goes.
1: Yeah, so this is purely story-driven. It's more story than anything else. It's even closer to interactive storybook than, you know, like a point-and-click puzzle adventure game. So keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, but I, I mean, it's. I would recommend it is free to download. I would recommend at least trying that first free portion and then deciding if there's enough there for you to continue and pay to unlock. It's definitely worth
1: a look. And so that's Opus Rocket of Whispers. It's free. It's universal, and there's a dollar ninety nine in that purchase to unlock the full experience. And then there's Dragon Boom, which is a really interesting game. Because when I first saw the trailer for it, I'm like, okay, this is Looks outstanding. It's going to be a ton of fun. And so the idea is that you have this little dragon. You use the left side of the screen. You tap and then hold to change your trajectory. So that's how you're going to launch your dragon, whether you fly up in the air or slide across the mountains. And then you use the right side of the screen for the same arrow setup, but this time that's how you fire your fireballs. And so there's a bullet time effect when you do either method to position and then aim. And your goal is really to kill all the enemies, collect all the coins, and reach the exit point. And so it's like a kind of fast-paced, fluid puzzle, or not puzzle, more platformer adventure style. And when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be like Dragon Hills, where there's just a ton of action, a ton of carnage. And then as you get into the game, it really lacks that challenge. There's no kind of opposition to anything you do the only real reason you're launching fireballs and going after the little guards is just for that kind of three-star achievement system. It's not like, oh, I need to really deal with all kinds of oncoming challenges and obstacles and various ways to harm my dragon on the way to the exit.
0: Okay, I am so glad to hear that this was your impression of the game because I've been hearing people raving about this and I just found it incredibly boring. So every level is set up kind of like an open world, but you can pretty much follow a certain path to the end. And you have these guards that do nothing. You have five hearts. And even if you bump into the guard to kill him, you don't lose any health. So I don't understand what the point of the health system is. So I think the whole point of the game is you're supposed to be shooting these guards and then shooting them multiple times to rack up the, before they disappear in order to rack up like combos. But, it feels like you're just bouncing around the screen, just trying to kill everything you can, and then eventually making your way to the exit. What this really needs is some sort of opposition from the enemies, anything to make it difficult, and a timer so to make, make it a speed run. Like, it makes much more sense as a speedrun game than it does in this boring kind of just let me just go into this little sandbox level and do whatever I want. And then eventually when I get bored to death, I'll just go to the exit. I don't know. It just really fell flat for me because there was no challenge, no real reason why I'm doing this. Nothing to other than, okay, I just want to take everything out so I can get all the stars and then eventually make it to the exit. I And then eventually if you get enough coins, you unlock some new, it's style of firing so the second one you get it the bullets just start or the fire just starts bouncing around the screen all over the place then it gets even more chaotic and pretty much useless for you to do anything because you've killed everything by the time you make it to it so i don't know this one really was disappointing to me
1: yeah i the only thing that was kind of intriguing me to go from level to level was to see what would come next. I was like, okay, this is going to lead to something, right? We're going to introduce something that kills me really quick or something. <laughs> like. It had that kind of idea, you know, like a super mega worm or death worm or, like I said, Dragon Hills, where you have that carnage idea. But those games, there's numerous ways to die. You're being attacked. The challenge amps up with every single level. This game just didn't lack that there was these few guards that had arrows that took like 10 minutes to fire off to shoot at you so you could just get rid of them really easy. And I just don't know how they release this game as is and just lack any kind of reason to keep going because there's no challenge. Once you have a game that's no challenge, you're just going through the motions. As neat as kind of the setup is of that bullet time to change your trajectory and to change your aim, to actually lack the gameplay to go with it it seems like it's more of a tech demo of look how cool this control setup is than actual full on game
0: right yeah cuz even like the they had these nice curvy uh like hills and things that had coins all over them and there was you could go back and really kind of awkwardly slide down the hill but it would make a lot more sense if they, those were more aerial that you would pick them up. I don't know. It just seems like they changed their mind part way during the development and then just forgot what they were doing and just made it like let's people just have fun shooting fire and stuff. And that's what our game is. just a fun little place where they can go fling around a dragon and shoot fire. And there's not even enough enemies to make it satisfying. Like they need a lot more enemies for you to kill. And I don't know. I, I I don't understand why this is getting all this praise because I just really didn't care for it.
1: Yep. So that's dragon boom. It's free. It's universal.
0: And then one last one that I really did like was Through the Ages. And this comes from Czech Games Edition. They're the uh, same people behind Galaxy Truckers. This is a digital board game. Surprise, surprise. And so this is a a really heavy game. So Galaxy Truckers... I would say anyone can approach that, hop right in. This one is a much more heavyweight strategy game. And what you're doing is it's a civ building game. So you are starting off with just like a very small population and a couple of farms and mines. And then what you're trying to do is build up the best civilization you can using a combination of resource management and card drafting. So you have to do this like, Delicate Balancing Act, where you're building farms to, to produce food and mines to produce uh, ore, and then you have to, like, elect a leader, and you're basically—I'll take a step back. You're basically working your way through um, multiple ages, like four different age—like, sets of— decks which are all different ages where you're going from kind of like the age of antiquity all the way up through the modern age and then once you reach the modern age the game is over and it's whoever has the most points wins so you're building those farms and you're electing leaders they provide you with like special abilities and then you have to discover new technologies and build these wonders which will earn you extra points and other like constant uh rewards of like extra food or maybe some extra technology and then you also have to maintain a military because at any point if your opponent has built up a stronger military they can try to attack you which could uh, end up causing you to lose food lose buildings lose other things you've already built up so it can end up really hurting you in the end I played like my very first game of this. I got a little bit better, but my very first game, I got destroyed by by the AI. It was it was not even pretty. Uh, but the good news is, if you've ever played Galaxy Trucker's, you've seen the polish. And the amazing work and effort that's gone into that game. Well, this game is not short of that either. Like, they put in an amazing tutorial where it's funny and it leads you through this really complex game teaching you the basics of how to do it. And even some basic strategy so that you know how to play and you're not going to get completely lost. Granted, it will still take multiple playthroughs if you've never played the game before to just kind of fully grasp everything. And I, I've even gone back to try to play through the tutorial a couple more times just to fully understand because it's one thing to go through that tutorial and then you go into your first game and then it's certain things you just like, oh, wait, why do, what cards should I choose? What should I be picking? And so there's a lot of game here, but it's definitely not for... Uh, just the casual gamer. If you want something a little meatier, uh, then you, I would recommend trying it out. It is a $10 app, but you can definitely see where that money went. And Check Games Edition always does such an amazing job. And once again, they've done a fantastic job here.
1: Sounds good. So through the ages, nine ninety nine and Universal, and I think that's everything for episode 35. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.